While I was away, I, I heard... I'm feeling something over here. Now, you, got, you guys, for those of you that are new to the church, every, this is just a way that the Lord speaks to me every now and then my hand will shake. And it's his way of telling me that there's some uh, piece of information over here somewhere about a particular person's birth. Look at that, shaking violently, Daniel. It was your birthday, wasn't it? It was. Did you, was that, did everyone know about that last week? Was it? But did anyone, did you guys know that it was his birthday last week? No? So he, okay, so he did a good job of hiding it right here. No worries. Well, look here. Um, what, I, what I want to do, I've had a cake made. Daniel, for you. Uh, Jackie, could you come here, please, and give me a hand? Could you hold that cake, please? Uh, we don't normally do this. But uh, can we take the lid off? Um, okay, sit down, Daniel. It's, it's not yours. Uh, it's actually, I just wanted to see what your reaction would be. It actually says, four years arise, church. Today's our fourth birthday, people. So can you just stay there for the next 30 minutes, hold that like that? Or would you rather sit down? I'd rather continue breathing after we get home. So sit down. Um, I might be in trouble. Do um, you want to just drop that up the back? And maybe we can get somebody start cutting that up. But... Um, this weekend is our fourth uh, anniversary in our journey as a community together, as a Rise Church. So um, normally on a birthday, you sort of, you know, you, you, you talk about, reminisce about times and things and so on. So uh, can I just ask a question? First of all, how many people are here today and you were here when, when the church very first started, right at the beginning? Hands straight up, straight up when it very first started. Excellent. Good. So we've managed to hang on to you for that long. That's good. Okay. I'm taking mental notes and learning things here. Now, how many of you joined us on the journey at the GSAC? Before we came here, but you joined us, became a regular at the GSAC. Hands straight up. Yep. Awesome. Fantastic. How many of you have joined us since we've been here? Yep. Give them a clap. That's right. The three people. Yep. How many people have joined us since we came here? hands up. We've got a lot of other people that have joined us since we came here as well, but they're not here today. Um, whatever reason, we, we, uh, we've got about 70, 80 people to call a rise home, and uh, one day you'll all meet each other, because you'll all turn up on the same Sunday, and you can get to know each other. But uh, until then, until then, we keep rolling with the way we are. But what I thought I'd do, just very briefly today... I want to just re- just share again, because some of you don't know the full journey of how we got here uh, in this particular place. Uh, Luke, can you put um, Hebrews up on the board for me? Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says this. It says, but without faith, it's going to be a little bit difficult to please God, but you may get across there. No, it doesn't say that. Good. Pick me up. My English was never my high point of school. It says, without faith, there's a slight chance. You, no? Not saying that. Am I, am I missing something? Without faith, it's impossible. It's Kim Possible for all the children here. Okay? It's not Kim Possible. Kim Possible could actually do things. This is impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's an interesting concept when we think about faith. And there's all kinds of ideas about what faith is and, and, you know, what faith is all about. And, you know, some people think faith is the way we manipulate God to get what we want uh, and all kinds of things. But I just want to say this to you this morning, just two very quick things. If it's impossible to please God without faith, and we know that God in his heart as a father wants us to please him. And if we put those two things together, it's impossible to please God without faith, but God wants me to be in a position in my life where I am pleasing to him. Then that means this, I believe that God is going to constantly keep me in a faith space throughout my entire life. Because if the faith space is where I stand, and that's the space where I get to please God, because faith is about being out of control sometimes and trusting God. It's about not always having all the answers, but trusting God. It's about not having all the direction, but trusting God. It's about not having all the the power, but trusting God. So if it's impossible to please him without faith, but he wants me to please him, then I believe that he's going to make sure that if I want to please him, I'm always going to be walking in a faith space in my life. Some of us, we go through those moments, and you might be like me, and maybe you're not, maybe I'm unique to humans here, but what happens sometimes is I go through a really difficult stage of life, and and we have these phrases like, oh, we've got to press into God, and I'm just believing God, and I'm I'm just having faith to get through this moment. And so we have faith 
But what, what kind of I tend to do is I go, like, I'm in this moment, I, I know I need faith, and there's no other way I'm going to make it through this without trusting God, but I can't wait for it to be over, because when it's over, I won't have to be in that faith space anymore. <laughs> I won't have to be trusting God anymore because I'll be over that moment. But God's up there going, but Alan, I don't want you to ever be over that moment because faith is the environment in which you are created to prosper. Faith is the environment in which you are created to grow. It's like water to a goldfish. And so if he wants me to please him, he's always going to make sure that I'm in a position in my life where there's areas in my world where I have to have faith. Does that make sense? God wants us to please him. Therefore, he's going to make sure that there are opportunities for faith. We want to line up all our ducks we want to have everything right, and we don't want to have any, any, any areas that we can't see what's happening and we're not in control of. But unfortunately, if we really have a heart to please God, you're always going to find yourself in a faith space because that's where God's going to, going to put you because you'll grow through those moments in your trust of Him. You'll grow in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So God wants faith to grow on the inside of us. We would believe that He is a good God. We believe that He is there. Even when I can't see Him, I know He's looking at me. What's more, what's more important, that I can see God or that God can see me? Is it better that I hold God in the palm of my hand or that God holds me in the palm of His? You see? Faith is not about my ability to understand everything God is doing all the time or see God in every moment. Faith is about my trusting the fact that God, even though I can't see you and I don't understand and I don't feel, but I know that you're watching. That's faith. I know you can see me. That's, that's real biblical faith. So I say all this just to, to, to say that I want to share with you because the story of where we got to today has really been about faith. We're here four years into this journey because we've exercised faith. We've had to trust God. Who would have thought four years ago we'd be sitting in our own premise that we rent, we don't, we don't own it. We don't even rent it, and I'll get to that in a second. Who would have thought that we'd be here in this place on top of a hill? You can see us from the highway. Who would have thought Paul's not here today? I was going to ask Paul, you know, who would have thought the temperature would be so beautiful in the building, but uh, he'd be there rugged up with his jacket on. But Paul's not here, but if you're listening, Paul, we miss you. Who would have thought? The church was going for about 12 weeks, I think, when, when me and my wife were approached and we were asked to pray about taking on this church. Uh, the movement we're a part of, International Network of Churches, formerly Christian Outreach Centre, they felt that they, the Lord was speaking to them at, at a national level to plant a church up here in the Ganelva area. And so what happened in the beginning was that the Seacoast Church in Ballina, um, Heartlands Church in Casino, um, Coffs, uh, Harbour Church in Coffs Harbour. There was three or four churches got together and they started meetings and they were, each week they would send up preachers from different churches. They would send up worship teams from different churches and so on. And about 12 weeks into it, um, me and my wife were approached and they said, look, we feel like we need to ask you guys to pray about taking on the church. And I was a manager at, at Dan Murphy's at the time. And um, Jackie, I think you might have been... Were you, were you at the Ramada then? No. Still at uni. My wife was back at uni. She's an amazing woman. Put herself through uni later in life. Amazing. I couldn't do it, but she's, she did it. And uh, so they approached us and we prayed. And we, and we felt like, cut a long story short, we felt like, yes. So here's what we did. We drove up to, from Balna because we were living in Balna. We still are living in Balna. We're in the process of trying to move up the hill here, getting closer every day. And so we drove up and we came to the roundabout up there. We turned left on Holland Street. We drove down. We're going to turn right on Oliver Avenue, this road, to go to the GSAC, which is where we're meeting. When we got to the corner, I just had this impression from God, turn left. So we hadn't even gone into the church and been prayed over and everyone had been told these guys are going to be your pastors. And we got to the corner, so we turned left. And we turned left and we drove and we stopped. And, and now when I think about it, it's just on the corner of this building. We stopped there. I felt like God said stop. And I stopped and I felt like God said, this is where your eyes church is going to be one day. I'm going to put you here. And I wasn't even thinking about a building. We were down the GSAC. I mean, we hadn't even started, God. We're not even on the clock yet, Lord. Back up, you know. But I felt like God said, this is where it's going to be. So I'm looking around, and there was a building across the road in the corner there, and it was empty at the time. So I thought, okay, that must be the one. So I said to Jackie, hey, here's what I think this is going to be our church. So that started a ritual for us. Every, every Sunday, we'd drive up. We'd turn left on Oliver. We'd stand in front of that building over the road there. We'd pray, and then we'd go to church. One day, I'm standing in the middle of the road here praying, and I felt like God said, turn around. And I turned around, and here's this big shed right here, this one we're in now. And it's empty, it's vacant, and I, and I feel like God said, that's this. You know, and the whole time I'm looking over, oh, thanks, God, sorry, I'm a bit slow sometimes. So we started praying, instead of facing that way, we started facing this way, we're praying over this place. God, thank you, this is the place that you have for us. Thank you, God, thank you, God. Not exactly sure, if I'm brutally honest, how this was going to happen. 
you know. So cut a long story short, we fast forward a little bit and we're coming up here every Sunday, we're praying, then we're going to church, we're up here praying, going to church. Then one day I thought, you know what, I'm just going to um, jump online, I'm going to have a bit more of a look at the building and so on, and I and, uh, looked at how much they were, they were, the owners wanted to rent this big space out for, and there was actually a gym next door as well that was pumping in there. And so um, I, I, I rang the real estate and found out about it, and then I, I, it was just too much money, I thought we can't do that with our small congregation, we could never lease a place like that. So then one day I looked online and I saw that this shed but they the owners in the ad said we'll put a wall down the middle and we'll lease it for half price small and i thought oh that's a faith stretch for us but that's a good thing it's always good to be in that faith space but i thought that's a a stretch we could do it so i contacted the real estate and i said look here's the deal um i'm wondering can we go and have a bit of a look and owners are going to put a wall turns out that the real estate said there's never been an ad that where they were going to have it it wasn't they weren't going to have it um so if you saw something on there somebody else has done that they didn't put anything on there but we'll go back and we'll ask them if they would. So they went back to the owners and asked them if they would. And the owner said, oh, yeah, look, we'd be prepared to, but we want to know a bit more information. So we back and forth with the real estate. And then I thought, right, yeah, this is right. This is a, let's take a face step here. But the way the movement works is that, and I love this about our movement, is that I don't just decide to go, hey, we're going to lease this building and now we're all on, in pressure. And so. They've got accountants and, and people way smarter and above me. And so I send all my information off to them and they look at it and they go, look, you're dreaming. You know, the old castle, tell him he's dreaming. They come back and say, look, it's not going to happen. So I back and forth a few times with them and, and sent them figures, and this is what now our ins and outs, and, and uh, they, they, they were saying, no, this ain't going to happen. In the end, I just took a bold step of faith, and I said, look, here's the deal. I can only give you figures on paper. I cannot give you the faith that's in my heart. I can't translate that onto a piece of paper. But I'm telling you, we really believe that this is the right place for us. So they said, right, yeah, get some lease forms and just send them up to us and we'll have a look. So I rang the real estate and said, can you send me the lease forms? Email them to me and I'll email them on and they can look at the lease forms. The real estate said, yep, no worries, hung up. Three minutes later, my phone starts buzzing, my mobile phone. I'll pick it up. It's a, it's a private number. And I answer the phone and say, hello. It's, and they say, is this Alan? I said, yep. And they said, are you the guy that's wanting to lease Oliver Avenue? I said, yeah. And they said, well, we're the owners of Oliver Avenue. Um, we'd like to, to chat with, with you about what you want to do. So, okay, no worries. So we, we, we organised the next day, we drive up to their place and we sit down, me and Jackie, we walk into their house and they've got this nice spread on at the table and some juice and biscuits and fruit and all that stuff. And pretty much as soon as we walk in and sit down, the first question is, so tell me about your conversion experience. Like, Hi, my name's Alan. <laughs> so I begin to share about my journey and 19 years of age coming to faith and, and what that meant to me before and after and so on. And my wife shared her story as well. And they go, well, we want to share a story with you. And it turns out that they're Christians. And they uh, built this building uh, a few years back. It's been sitting vacant for probably a year and a half, two years before we got here. And they said, here's what happened. One day, we were, as my husband had some space in his, his, his calendar, and so we thought, what will we do with our workers? We're paying them. Why don't we go up the top of the hill, that land we own, and let's just erect a, a big shed, and we'll just do that, you know, because we're, we're, we're quiet on other jobs. So they've come up, and they put it up, and he, and he said, and it was interesting, as they built it, he said, the workers got a little bit creative. And so normally you wouldn't have a building like this, an industrial thing with someone's painted one side orange and one side blue, and you know, and he said his workers just got to be creative with the whole thing, and they built this thing. Right at the end when it was built, one of the workers walked past him, patted him on the shoulder and said, well, there's another one for your portfolio. He said, when he said that to me, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and go, is that what your life's about? Is it simply about building a portfolio? Because they own other places and sheds and houses and stuff. Is that what your life is about? Are you here on earth with the time you have just to build a portfolio for yourself? And so he told his wife about that, and then they both decided to pray, and they dedicated this building to God. They had no idea what was going to happen. They thought maybe a mechanic or somebody would come on in and rent it, and they would take that money, and they would pour it into missions. That's what they thought. So you can imagine their joy and surprise when they hear, you guys want to start a church in our building. This is amazing. And then to make matters even better than that, they said, here's what we're going to do. We know what the rent is for half the building. We're not going to put a wall up. We're going to give you the whole thing for the same price as what we would have for half of it. So they halved the the price. And they said, and on top of that, the rent, we don't want the rent to go to us, as in we get the money and so on. We want the rent put aside into a separate account. And then they get together with me and Jackie and we pray together. And we go, okay, Lord, where can we put this money to good use in our local community? So, so in one sense, we, we don't even pay rent, people. We, we, we're, we're blessed of God to give money into missions and to other good works. So we don't even pay rent, if you think about it that way. We're blessed enough to be... Exactly right. It's awesome. It's awesome. 
So we got up here and we got in this place and it was a journey. It was a journey. We, it was just an empty shed. See the colour of the grey. It was just that wall there all the way around. That's all it was. And so it was a real faith step and a real challenge, not just for myself and my wife, but as a community, everybody pitched in. And we had to raise a certain amount of money and we, 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 we don't talk a lot about money in church here. And I'll get to some of that in a minute as to why we don't. But we don't talk a lot about it, but we need to raise money to get things done and to get into this place. And cut a long story short, we, we raised the money and people rallied and we had people from the church in here putting walls up and painting walls and hammering nails and scrubbing and grinding and carpet laying and building things. And it was a long journey, but it was such an exciting time. And finally, we found ourselves here in this place. And what I want to say is this, that it's four years. We're four years old. I'm a dreamer and a thinker. And I was sitting down thinking the other day, God, but I have, I've got all these plans and ideas and things and what, you know, why aren't we there? And I felt like God said, hang on a second, how much expectation did you have on your kids when they were four? I thought, well, I just wanted them to maybe recognise, say, Dad, walk, maybe get a spoon in their mouth, not in their eye, you know, go to the toilet themselves maybe, basic stuff. And I thought, you know what? No, thank you for that, God, because I, I think we're in a good place. I think we're doing okay. We're doing okay. So I said all that to say this, what it's taken to get here has been faith. And many of you in this room have been a part of that journey. You have sacrificed finances, you've sacrificed time, energy, resource. Um, You've sacrificed time praying and seeking God and pushing back those things in the heavenly places that would want to stop the kingdom of God immersing itself here on earth. And we fought some battles and we're here and we've made it. And it took faith to get here. To get beyond these four years, it's going to take the same faith. It's going to take faith. I'm not finished. God's not finished with us. We're not yet where God wants us to land. I I want you all to look over here, the young kids over here, and and, and in different Sundays it fluctuates. You know, some Sundays we've got about four or five young kids. Other Sundays we've got 12, 15 young kids running around. And I love it. I love having the young kids here. Because I look at them on a Sunday and I go, you know what, that's why it's all worth it. That's why it's worth it. Because one day these guys are going to be preaching. One day these guys are going to be up here leading worship. One day these guys are going to be in their communities bringing the kingdom of God to the business world, to the science world, to the education world. They're going to be the ones that are going to be bringing the kingdom of God to earth here. And so what we do now, the battles we fight, the sacrifices we make, it's not just, we, we might sometimes look at it and go, but what's in it for me? What's the benefit right now? I'm not seeing what I want to see. And I can be like that. I can go, but I'm not seeing fully what I want to see yet, God. We're not standing where I want to stand. And God goes, that's okay. You know what? If you don't do the hard work now, somebody else has to later on. But if you do the hard work now, then the next generation, they don't have to fight the same battles you fight. They'll have their own battles. They'll have their own places, their own visions, their own spaces that they want to take this thing to. But right now, we've got to work hard. I love there's a saying. I think it might have been one of the early church fathers. Was it? Uh, um, oh... No, it wasn't Wesley. Earlier than that, one of the early church fathers, right back in the beginning, just after about 90 years of church, church life. And anyway, made this statement. He said this. He said, you, you pray as if everything depends on God, but you work as if everything depends on you. And I love that balance. We pray as if everything depends on God, but we work hard together as if everything depends on us. I just want to throw three things at you. And, and w- when you come here, we have one goal. I've got, I got one primary goal. See, I'm a big believer that, that the church was given a vision by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. How you do that is various and many. There are so many ways we can do that. But that's our core. That's at the very core of the church is go into all the world, preach the gospel. Help people understand who God is. Connect people up with God. Tell them about the great things that Jesus Christ did on that cross. Because how many of you know we live in a society where the message of the cross is getting squashed more and more and more. The church is being muzzled more and more and more. You need to be more and more silent about your faith. Don't get too excited about it. We don't mind if you have faith so long as it's just like an additional part of your life. But don't ever let faith become all of your life. You know? Don't Don't let God be central to everything. He can be there, but know when to bring him out and know when to put him away. You know, know when you can, you know, anyone got that shirt in their cupboard at home, that really leery one that you can wear with certain friends and family. You've probably got one, I reckon, Jeff. And you can wear it with your friends and family because they know you and so they go, oh, it's just Jeff. But if you wore it out in public, other people, whoa, be a different story. You know, so you just bring it out at the right time. And, you, and, and that's what I think the, the, the world is going that way with Jesus. We can bring him out when it's appropriate and when it's not. 
Um, I don't know who sets the bar for when it's appropriate and when it's not. See, I love back in the beginning in Genesis. I, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Way back in the beginning in Genesis, God creates heaven and earth. He creates man. And what does he say? He says to mankind, he says, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion, rule, reign. You know what that is? That's leadership. That's leadership. He's saying to mankind way back in the beginning, a a person, mankind, humanity connected to the spirit of God, you are meant to be the leaders on this planet. And I think as a church, we are called to leadership in our communities. We are called to leadership. We are called to, you know, once upon a time, the church produced the best music in the world. The most creative music came out of the church. Once upon a time, the most creative artworks, sculptures, architecture. You know, the church was leading the world in creativity once upon a time. It just seems now we kind of flip it and now we're happy to follow. Well, you know what? I think we need to stand up and go, you know what? When do we adopt this attitude that it's okay to follow? I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I mean, you know what? The world is setting the agenda right now. When is the church going to stand up and go, you know what? We are filled with the Spirit of God. We are Christ's ambassadors on earth. We are speaking to the world saying, hey, be reconciled to God. We've got a voice. We've got things we stand for and things we believe in. I'm not talking about being arrogant and rude and so on, but what I'm saying is not hiding away in a corner and not allowing the voice of the church and the light of the church to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and more and more silent. I think we need to start to plant our feet, stand up and go, you know what, that's not the way it's meant to be. As the darkness gets darker, guess what? Light shines brighter. So let's start shining brighter and brighter and brighter in our communities and in our homes and with our friends and in our workplaces and so on. Let's shine brighter and brighter. That's what I think the call of the church is. And I believe, and I've said this many, many times, so you've all heard me say this, most of you heard me say this, we're called to rise for a reason. Me and Jackie were not a part of the church when they named it, but you know what, as soon as we came on board and, and, and they explained arise, I thought something connected. I went, yeah, that's it. Arise. Arise means get up. Arise means move forward. Don't just sit there. You know what, I've got a thousand reasons why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, you've probably got a thousand reasons why you can't do the things you dream about and the things you want to do. But guess what? God says, do it anyway. Have a go anyway. Step out in faith anyway. Try some things anyway. Push forward anyway. Broaden your world anyway, you know. There's three things that we're going to need to move forward into the future. It's going to take faith. And faith is going to produce these three things. And I, I, I want to, in a second, I'm going to open up the, the stage curtains in my brain. Okay, so I'm just prepping. I want you to get ready. I'm going to open the stage curtains in my brain. I'm going to tell you what plays on that little cinema screen all day, every day. Okay? Yes, it could be frightening. But I'm going to show you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you with, with the vision that's in my head, a vision that I probably won't get a chance to, to see. I'll probably be gone before it's fulfilled. But it's got to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. Okay? Before I get to that, let me just tell you very briefly three things that we're going to need. Three things we're going to need to link up with faith to get to where we are. They're the same three things we've needed to get to here. But to go even further, we're going to need to continue to walk in these three things. And I've tried to be very clever and made them all start with the one letter. So you can, it's a good communication tactic, all right? Start with the same letter and everyone remembers it. So I've started with the letter M. Mm. Everyone go M. Mm. Mm. Wonder what he's going to say. Mm. I'm going to say three things. Number one is minutes. Paul Jurgens, when he was here last week, I listened to his podcast when we were coming back from um, Port Macquarie last weekend. We were listening in the car. And he made a statement. He talked about your diary. I don't know if anyone remembers that. He said, you know, get out your diary and go through your diary and find where's that space where you can dedicate some time to specifically and purposefully investing in something that's building the kingdom deliberately. And I know that we go about our days and we go about our work and so on. And, you know, we want to look, I'm just praying that, that my, my, the guys at work will let me talk about Jesus. And I'm praying for that and I'm praying for this. And I'm looking for these opportunities. And that's wonderful and great. But where's the time that's deliberately, I'm not hoping or praying for something. Now, this is an opportunity and a time where I can actually deliberately do something that I know 100% is going to build into the kingdom of God. Make some minutes in your diary. Find some space. You know, up the back there, we've got some rosters here. And I'll give that a bit of a plug at the moment. We've got a few things going on in the life of the church. Let me tell you the number one comment I get from people when they come here. The number one comment I get from guests, visitors that come on in, new people, and every speaker that we've ever had come on in here since we've been in this building, they all say the same thing to me. They say, you know what? When I walked in there, it felt like I was coming home. They use that word home. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's like I came home. And I think, 
I remember when we first set this place up and, and uh, Jackie and, and some of the ladies, they wanted the, the, you know, that entrance area there with a big mirror and a chair and all that stuff over there, you know? And some people could look at that and go, well, that's just showy and fancy and what, who, who needs a table and some? But you know what? If I can get that reaction out of people because we put a chair there and a table there, I go, amen, high five you, Jesus. What a great idea. What a great idea. When, when you go through a service here, we're constantly thinking all the time in our services about that one person that doesn't know Jesus. I'm always thinking about that person. And I'm thinking, you know what, if you bring your friends or your family to our service, how can we, how can we make it as, as uh, attractive is not the word, but how can we make it in such a way that if they're going to be offended at something, here's the thing, if you're going to be offended at something, I want you to be offended at the word of God. Be offended at the preaching. Don't be offended at, at, at other things, uh, which can happen quite often throughout the course. I'm offended because I don't understand this, or I'm offended because the, you know, the, the person at the door, the greeter, was too physical with me, or, or I'm offended because you know, I walked in and nobody wanted to talk to me. They just handed me a book and said, sit down there like I'm in some kind of production line. All these sorts of things that I've seen and been a part of in churches. And so we're going right from the very start. How can we make this so, in such a way that that person, that you would feel comfortable to bring your unchurched family and friends along, and not only bring them here but at the end of it they would get it they would understand they would go okay i don't agree with you but i get it i understand why you go there you know so we do all these little things up the back there with our sign-on sheets we got uh, greeters that greet at the door you know we're looking for some more greeters so just just so you know we thought today would be a good day to put those sheets up there there's opportunities to get involved in greeting at the door um this morning too how many of you know that we didn't come in here this morning add water and pop there it was some people have worked tirelessly and hard to put together a lovely morning tea. But I get so many compliments from people. I get other pastors saying, how do you get morning tea like that? Because we want your morning tea people, we want to recruit them to our church because that is such a great morning tea. To- you know what? Here's the thing. We just take it for granted because we're here all the time. People are amazed at how good our morning teas are. And I think, wow, that's awesome. That's great. Because when someone comes to my house, guess what? I love it when they compliment the food we put on the table. I love it when we put some cheese and crackers out and people enjoy it, you know? That's why I let my wife do it. I wouldn't dare do it. They wouldn't enjoy that. But Jackie does great stuff, so she does that kind of stuff, you know? So we've got greeters, we've got morning tea, we've got people that come in here. You know, we've got people that come into this building each week uh, and they do a bit of cleaning for us. So we run a vacuum over the floor and, and clean and so on. You know, when people visit your house, do you want your house to be clean? What's the first thing you do when you know you've got important guests coming? What do you do? You give your house a bit of a tidy, don't you? You don't just look at it and go, oh, well, I'll put up with this. If they're really good friends, they won't care. No, it doesn't matter. If, you, if they're good friends, you still go and you, you, you'll, you'll clean up the dishes and you'll, you know, put the washing under the bed or whatever it is that you do in your house. We don't do that, not in the house. But, you know, you could do all that sort of stuff. But no, no, you go and you clean. So we like the place to be clean. We've got people that once a, a, a fortnight, uh, once a month actually, I think it is maybe, they go out here and they, they mow our lawns. We've got a mower in the shed next door. They mow our lawns. They do the gardens. So there's ways that people are coming in and serving. Guess what? All those things are building into something. They're not just there for the sake of doing something. So I hope when you're greeting at the door, I hope that you're praying that morning, Lord, let me shine a light so brightly to those people that come in. Let me make them feel at home. When I say day, when I make the morning tea, I hope you pray, Lord, bless the bodies, bless the people, bless the conversations that are going to take place around the food table, just like they do in your house. Bless those conversations. You know, when you're mowing those lawns, when you're, when you're cleaning in here, God, I, when I come in here and clean, I pray over the chairs. So, Lord, whoever's going to put their backside on this chair, this, I want it to be nice and clean for a start so they don't get dirty. But, God, I pray that you bless that person that comes and sits in that chair. I want you to bless them. I want you to bless them. We've got other opportunities for some things there. Global care. I just shared with you before. It's our social sort of justice arm of INC. Global care. We've started global care out of here. Bevan, who's next door cooking the barbecue as we speak, has put his hand up and we've now got global care working out of here. There are some great things we can do with that. Great things we can do with that. But guess what? We need some space in your diary. We need space in your diary. Okay? We're about to start a ministry out of here called Mainly Music. Anyone ever heard of that? I was speaking to, to some people last night about it, and they're keen. They want to come here, and in, maybe in term two we're looking at, they want to help us get mainly music started here. I went down to the council when we first got in the building, and I said to some of the councillors down there, look, we're a church, we're here in the community, we want to be a blessing to the community. What can we do? You know what they said to me? They said, there's this group called Mainly Music. Have you heard of it? I said, yeah. They said, you should do Mainly Music. Okay. Happened to bump into these people that know about it. These people put their hand up and said, you know, even if you don't have the numbers, we'll come. But here's the thing. I need some time in your diary. I need some time in your diary. Because mainly music is not just about the kids coming up and having a good time. It's about connecting with the parents, having a, a coffee with them, having a chat with them, getting to know them, build relationship with these people, you know. It's interesting because I was thinking about th- saying this point to you about minutes and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to go a few minutes overboard today just so you know, mainly most Sundays we're out of here by 12. But because we're having the barbecue and it's a bit of a family chat, I'll go a little bit longer. 
But I was thinking, I don't really want to, you know, I know we're all time poor. But then I thought, you know what, a few years ago when I was a manager at Dan Murphy's, my son was playing football and nobody wanted to coach his rugby league team in Balna. So some of the parents approached me and said, Alan, would you put your hand up and coach? And my first thought, of course, was how can I? I mean, I've got a full-time job, I'm, I'm managing, I'm working during those times. But I thought, you know what, no, I'm really passionate about that. I want to see these kids uh, get out there and play their sport. I really love it. So you know what I did? I actually went to, to the powers that were above me and said, here's the deal. What if we make a deal? What if I have my lunch break at 4.30 instead of at, at, at uh, 2 o'clock, whatever when it normally was? I'll have my lunch break at 4.30. I'll be back by 5. Did she let me leave the store? I'll grab a cheeseburger on the way home. I, I used to go down there. You'd see me in my Dan Murphy's uniform coaching the kids with a football and then bang back in the car and home. And guess what? I did this for two years. And guess what? My employer said yes. It's not impossible to find time in your diary. Some of you work for yourself. Some of you got a lot more control over your time. Would you be prepared to dedicate a few minutes, a little bit of space in your diary, to do something in the life of the church that's going to help build the kingdom? Would you do that? Would you consider it? Would you pray about it? Jackie, we're running break free now. You know what? Jackie had to go to her employer and say, here's the deal. And it's all about favour. And how many of you believe that you can have favour? I believe as a church we can have favour. I was reading the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. He went and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had a full-time job. Full-time job. He goes and he's, he's pouring the, the wine for the king. And the king goes, what are you so sad about? And he goes, well, here's the deal. Jerusalem's walls are down. I've heard about what's going on in that town. They're my people. And the king says to him, well, what do you want to do about it? And it says, Nehemiah says, and I prayed to the Lord. And then Nehemiah said, okay, here's the deal. I want to go and rebuild the walls. Guess what? The king said, yeah. King said, yes. Yeah. See, we, we, we limit our possibilities. We think that life is so, so structured and so, and we don't give God any space to get involved in some of that stuff. You might be surprised. Some of your employees might go, you know what, what mainly music starting? You want to be down there for an hour and have a coffee? This, yeah, we can work something out. You don't know. You don't know unless you ask. But we've got to start believing God uh, to create these spaces in our world. And I want to challenge you that don't just sit here and go, well, I can't give you any minutes. Yes, you can. We're all time poor. Every one of us are time poor. But we can find time for things that are really important and that we're really passionate about. I know that because I find time for a lot of things that aren't that important. And I'm being challenged about that all the time. I feel God speaking this to me at the moment. Now, where's the extra time in your diary that you can give me for a few things too? So minutes to go forward to the next four years, we're going to need minutes. The second thing we're going to need is we're going to need muscle. Everyone do this. Who's got muscle? It's one thing to have minutes. It's one thing to say, oh, clear some time and I can do something. Then you've got to actually do it. You've actually got to go ahead and you've actually got to do it. When Nehemiah went to uh, Jerusalem and he walked around and decided to build the walls, he gathered everyone together after walking around. He said, hey, here's the deal. We want to rebuild the walls and we've got to do this and got to do that and got to do this. And this is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 2. And verse 18, it says, After they'd heard what he had to say, he said, Then they set their hands to this good work. They set their hands to this good work. Let me read out a couple of names to you. You've probably never heard of these dudes. Eliashib, the high priest. Zakua, Hasena, Meremeroth. I could get some of these wrong. Meshulam, Zadok, Jehoiada, Meshulam, Melatiah, Jaden, uh, Uziel, Hananiah, Rephaiah, Jediah, Hatush. Hatush, that's a cool name. I like that one. Malkajah, Hashub. Shalom, Hanun, Zenoah, Malkajaja, Shalun, uh, Hashababia, uh, Baruch. I could go on and on and on. You know who they are? They're all mentioned in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 3 as the people who put their hand to the work, who flexed a bit of muscle and did the job. Guess what? Most of you never read about them before that passage in the Bible. You know nothing about them after that time in the Bible, but they put their hand to something really significant. God made sure that when Nehemiah wrote that book that their names were recorded. Because nothing we do is insignificant. Everything has the power to be significant. And when we work together, you know what fascinates me about this story? I'm getting excited about this Nehemiah thing now. I was just, again, reading it the other day and it dawned on me. Nehemiah goes into that city. He walks around. You know who these people are that rebuilt the walls? They were the same people that were happy to live in the squalor. They were the same people that until Nehemiah came along and said, hey, let's build the walls, they were happy. They thought it was normal to live with ruined walls. They thought it was normal to have no gates on the city. They thought it was normal. Until Nehemiah came along and goes, guys, this ain't normal. Let's do something. Oh, yeah, wow. Let's do something. Let's do something. You know, serving God is normal. Putting time aside is normal. Doing something to build the kingdom deliberately is normal. It's normal. It's normal. The world is getting busier and busier and busier. And if you let the world dictate your priorities, you'll have less and less time for the things of God. But if we're going to lead, if we're going to take our role in the community, if we're going to go forward for the next four years, guess what? 
we've got to take control of some of that time back and we've got to go, no, no, no. If I'm not deliberate about this, it won't happen. It's one of those things. It's like the carrot in front of the donkey, you know? Anyone notice that, that you, at the start of the year, maybe many of you here, I'm going to have time with the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. And then we don't. And you know what we do? We go, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start. You know, it's like the carrot right there in front of the donkey. Because it's so close, it's like that, that thing that your neighbor's got. Your neighbor's got your hose. You know, that hose that, that, that's a, a fantastic hose and it's the super-duper one that never breaks. You can tow caravans with it and so on. You know, you've never seen those hoses on TV and, you know, you could, you could, you could actually, I don't know, lasso the moon, bring it down, whatever. They're so powerful. And your neighbour's got it. And you need to water the garden, but you go, oh, look, it's really hot. I'm a little bit tired. Let's get it tomorrow. And before you know it, tomorrow turns to the end of the week, turns to the end of the month. And how many, you, you know what I'm talking about. Your friends, your family, they've got things. They probably had it in the garage for three years. But it's not urgent to go and get it yet. But if somebody had it and they were living in Brisbane, you'd probably go, well, hang on a second, I've got to go and pick that up. When can I do that? Seven days or put some time aside, I'm going to go and do it. And we, we go and we deliberately do that. But because things are so close and so easy and so accessible, we tend to keep putting them off and keep putting them off and keep putting them off. You know? And it's kind of like that with the things of God. God is right here, right now, in this moment. Because of that, I can just put it off. I'll serve him one day. I'll do something for him one day. I'll adjust my diary one day. I'll put my hand to a plough one day. I'll join the morning tea roster one day. I'll, I'll put my name down on a roster one day. I'm just waiting for my ducks to line up, waiting for everything to, to be perfect, and then I'll do it. Well, you know what? The time is now. If we want to go forward, I'm, I'm just challenging you a little bit. I'm pushing, I'm pushing a little bit today. For those of you that are visiting, I don't normally push like this. It's not what we do, but I just want to push a little bit today. Will you think about the minutes? Because we need some minutes. Will you think about muscle? We need some muscle. And the last thing, and this is the one that I don't talk a lot about, Starts with M. Money. You know why I don't talk about money in church? Because when you bring your friend or your relative who has been out there in the world and all they've heard their whole life is the church is after your money. The church wants your money. I don't want you to bring them in here and have me confirm that to them. Then you have to deal with it later. You know, someone recently pointed out to me that, uh, you know, I, I, for those of you that are visiting, we talk about money so little that probably half the new people that have joined us since we got here don't even know. That letterbox up the back, somebody said to me the other day, is that where you put your bills? I said, no, no, that's actually our offering box. We don't talk about it, but our family knows that that's where we put our tithes and our offerings, in that little letterbox up the back there. But I thought, you know what, that's actually true. We don't talk about it a lot. We don't rattle that cage a lot. But here's the reality. Look around you. It, 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 it took finance. It took finance to get to this place. And if we're going to go ahead, guess what? It's going to take finance. And there are people in the kingdom who are gifted to raise money. It's your gift. It's a God-given thing. And those people raise that money and maybe they give more. But there's a thing called the tithe. And whether you believe in it or you don't, I, 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 I did a message last year why I believe in tithing. I'm not telling you you have to believe what I believe, but I'm telling you I believe in tithing. And I believe that's the way that God generates his income through tithes and offerings to do the work of the kingdom through his body, the church. We're not a marketplace. I'm not trying to sell some kind of wear. I haven't got some product that we're selling. Let's sell 100,000 Jesus loves you chess pins at a dollar each and then we can build our building, you know. Or let's get some Arise cups. Remember you gave me that Arise cup that time? After that, yeah, yeah, see, she's onto something there. Maybe what we should do is let's get a thousand of them and we'll sell Arise coffee cups and Arise t-shirts with big pictures of us on the front like this. Big Arise t-shirt. Maybe we can sell. We're not a marketplace. We're not a marketplace. And God never intended the church to be a marketplace. Okay? We, are, we, we do what we do with the finances we need through God's miraculous provision. But there's a baseline provision, and it's called tithes and offerings. And it is biblical. And if you want to go on our iTunes uh, page, Arise Church Lismore, and you want to find that message, I preached it last year. I'm going to probably preach it again in the middle of this year, why I believe in tithing. And I, I'm doing the whole church a disservice by not talking more and more about finance. But I'm not going to go over the top about it, but I just want you to know that's why I don't, is because I really I don't want to confirm your friend and your family's worst nightmares because I've, I get sick of it myself. I was flicked on the TV some time back and a guy's building a $100 million ministry centre and if God's put that vision in his heart, praise God, I'm not against it, but he's on TV going, if you give $10,000, i will put your name on a brick on this wall. If you give 50000 your name goes on a brick on that wall. If you give 100000 we put your name on a gold brick. And it's like, oh, come on. Come on. If you've got to manipulate people to give to the kingdom, there's a problem. We are the passionate about this. We believe what this book says. We know that this life is a drop in the bucket. We're just passing through. But what we do here counts for eternity. It counts for us and it counts for others. So are we going to live this life down here accumulating? You know? Hey, there's another one for your portfolio. Is that what it's about? 
I'm, I'm blessed. I've, you know, I've, I've got a little car out there, a 2005 Camry. Gets me from A to B. You know, I, I don't need a, a, you know, if you want to give me one, I'll take it. I'm not going to say no, but I'm just saying that, that you know, some people, some people think that the more finance you raise, that the pastor gets a percentage of the income. You know, so it's in my best interest to raise, but it doesn't work like that, people. I'm, an, I'm just salaried like everybody else in any other job. I don't get more, and I don't want more. What I want is the finances to do that which God has placed on our heart, what he wants us to do in the community. Now, here we go. I'm going to tear open my brain, and I'm going to let you see something. Right? Go with me. I can see mainly music pumping out of here. I can see... You know, maybe maybe two times a week pumping. Hundred hundred parents, their kids are in here. Out the other side, I don't know if you've been around the side of our building, there's a grassy area, it's in the corner there. Up the back of that where the water tower is, and just go with me, don't shoot me down, please. I can see maybe up the back uh, something like a shipping container turned into like a coffee shop. Right? And all that area is paved, there's a fence around it. So the kids can be in there, maybe a little playground in the corner. There's chairs and umbrellas and stuff. And, and, and during mainly music afterwards, the parents can go out there, the kids are playing, the parents are sitting there, uh, and they can have their coffees and they can chat and talk and connect. And, and the people that are coming from the church here, you people, you're going, you know what, that's my thing. That's my minutes right there. So I'm going to have my lunch break. I'm going to race down here, and I'm praying all the way down here, God, there's going to be someone there today you want me to connect with. I'll have a word for them. I'll be able to get to know them, whatever. And you come on down, and you, you're passionate about it, and you're deliberately for one hour opening up your ears, putting your antenna up, going, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me, show me something, tell me something. You're connecting with these people. Maybe during the rest of the week, maybe during the rest of the week, uh, that coffee shop opens at certain times. Maybe people around here, they, they're workers, they want their coffees, so they order their coffees, they come get their coffees here. What's the big deal about that? Well, at least they're walking into a church premise. Maybe they've never done that before in their whole life. Maybe they've never done that in their whole life. But they're walking here and they're going, look, it's good coffee, these are good people, and they're getting to know us. Maybe. I'm just dreaming, don't shoot me down. Next door, we've got that room there. You know, at the moment, we, we started the women's thing the other night. And, you know, it break, breaks my heart. We started the women's thing the other night. And we wanted, it was all set up that at the end of the session that they broke in, into groups. One group would meet here, one group would meet next door. You know what? It's howling wind and pouring rain. How can we expect the ladies to go out that door, walk all the way around to the side in the dark and come on in? There should be a door right there. God even put a, put a template of a door right there before we even moved in. It's going to cost us though, about two and a half grand to get the, the proper door into there. We just don't have it at the moment. But, but the other night, I'm hearing about this now. They, they've got to stay here. And I'm thinking, that's wrong, God. That's wrong. What about kids' church next week? What if it's pouring rain again? Are we going to expect our kids to go out that door in the rain? and win? It's just a door. It's just a door. It's a physical, practical thing. But it makes ministry so much easier. It works. You know, it works for the kids. It benefits the, the ladies. I see a door there. In that room next door, I see a mezzanine floor. Don't shoot me down. I'm just dreaming. Mezzanine floor right across. There's spaces downstairs for youth and for kids' church. And, and uh, upstairs, there's some offices, maybe some meeting rooms. There, there's some stuff going on upstairs. We've got some people doing financial planning for people in the community that are struggling with finances. We've got some counselling services for people that need counselling. We've got maybe someone up there that helps people find jobs. But the good thing about this counselling service, this job-finding place, good thing about all this stuff is these people can actually say, by the way, we're doing this because we believe in Jesus, we love God, and God loves you, and you're so valuable that we want to put time and energy into helping you because you're made in his image and we want you to know that we can say that we can't out there in these other places because the government will, will, will might lose our jobs or they put nooses around your neck and you can't mention jesus but you can here and let's imagine we did it so well that Centrelink started going you know what we'd love to refer people to you guys we're going to start referring people to you because you know you guys do such a great job and we go you can do that but we're going to tell them why we do we're going to tell them about jesus we don't care you just help these people we'll take it we'll do it imagine that imagine that you know that shed down there? I've got to be quiet just in case there were, you know, the shed down the bottom there where the, where the dogs and the animals are. Every time I hear them dogs barking, I think, what a great youth, youth shed because it would sound the same with the dogs and all that stuff. But wouldn't it be amazing to have some sort of youth shed set up? If that's big enough, you could mezzanine that, put some little spaces upstairs where maybe the kids could go and have Bible studies downstairs, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What if we opened it up? What if we had enough resource and manpower that, say, uh, the community knew Thursday, Friday, Saturday from about 4 o'clock to say nine o'clock, that was open. Ping pong tables, pool table. We got some people down there full time manning it, connecting with the kids. Kids in the community could come on in, play some games, get to know each other. Maybe the musical ones, we drag them in here and we start doing jam sessions with the young kids up here. You know, get the music out and let's do some stuff. Then why, why, why can't we do that kind of stuff? Why can't we do it? You know, <laughs> I mean, 
see that block across the road? Anyone seen that patch of grass across the road? I've seen it. I've seen it. I have. And you know, I thought in my head, I thought, I wonder, wonder one day, what if we eventually got that? And what if over there we built like a, uh, maybe a bit of a bigger sort of an auditorium space? Not, 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 um, I don't care, but I've told you guys, I don't want a big, you know, thousand man church thing. Even if we had a, a big thing there, I still would, once we reach about 80 people, we'll probably start running second, third services. Well, I don't want to have a, you know, one big thing. I want to, um, but wouldn't it be great if we had a, a great big facility there and we could say to people like, say, uh, Ravi Zacharias. Anyone know Ravi Zacharias? Great apologetics teacher. And we could say to Ravi, we, we, we've got the finance now. We can get you and your team into Lismore. We're going to get you into Lismore Uni. You can go down there and you can talk to the students, talk to the faculty at Lismore Uni. He does these open mic sessions where they just gather in the big auditorium to ask him questions. And he's amazing with his apologetic understanding. And he talks to people because our faith is not blind. Science supports our faith in the Bible. Archaeology supports our faith in the Bible. Nature supports our faith in the Bible. But kids aren't hearing this stuff. But here's this guy that's got this amazing ministry and this great gift to do. Wouldn't it be great to be able to go, hey, Ravi, yeah, tell. Come to Lismore, of course, yeah, yeah, of course you can come to Lismore. Hang on, hang on, I'll just check with, with, with our people and see if we've got room for you. You know, because we've got Franklin Graham coming next week, and uh, and uh, then we've got you know uh, for King and Country are playing the week after that. Let me just see if there's an opening for you. Why, why, why does all the why do we have to go to Sydney and Brisbane for the big conferences and the big name speakers? Why why can't our community be a community where? Where, where people go, you know what? Just the average person goes, you know, the, these Christians in this community, they, they, they're good. Jesus is a good thing for our community. We might not agree with it, we might not understand it, but Jesus is a good thing in our community. And what about that auditorium over there where we've got this big space for these big things? I'd love to see like a, a, a big mission centre and just be able to contact youth of the mission and servants and all these mission agencies and go, you know, we have space here for you. Why don't you come and set up camp in Lismore as a bit of a central hub and we've got office space there you can use and we can hear what's going on there and we can raise money and we can help them with projects, open doors, all these great ministries that are doing wonderful things, you know. Why couldn't we do these kinds of things, you know? Why can't this sort of stuff happen? Just put that verse up for me, could you, Luke? And that's just the beginning, by the way. I've only shown you the first slide. I've got a lot, I've got a lot more slides rolling around in there, I'll tell you right now. Here's the thing. You give me one logical, sensible reason why that's not a possibility, and I won't mention it again. One logical, sensible reason why God can't achieve all that, and I'll shut up forever and a day and I won't say it again. If you can't, let me give you one logical, sensible reason why I think it's possible. It, it, it's because Ephesians, got the Ephesians verse there, Luke? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, or what? Why do we think so small? Why are we happy to go, let's just have a church of 50 people and just let's all just get along. If we could just, I mean, our standards are so low. If we just liked each other, that would be a great church. I just want to find a church where everyone likes each other. You know what? That's great if you want to find a church where people like each other. That's wonderful. Find one where everyone likes each other. If you find it, don't go there. They probably won't like you. Or you'll meet some of them and you won't end up liking them. Don't ruin what they've got going. It's a good thing. Just come here. <laughs> just come here. I love it. Now, to him who's able to do... If, if, if Paul just said to him who's able to do above all we ask, I think I'd be happy with that. Above. If he just said he can do above what you think, and I'd be excited going, wow, God is awesome. But he wasn't happy with above. He said, abundantly above. And I'm thinking, that's a whole new level. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going, hang on, Alan, your dreams aren't big enough. Come on, Alan, your thoughts aren't big enough. Come on, church, you're not thinking high enough. You're not reaching high enough. You're not hitting the stars here. You're, you're happy to just put your fingers on a ceiling and go, look at that, I've hit the ceiling. It's not that amazing? I've reached it. Look how high I am. But he's saying, no, that would be above. But I'm saying abundantly above. And hang on a second, I'm not happy with abundantly above. I'm going to add another word in there, exceedingly. So now we're talking exceedingly abundantly above. So let me ask you a question. What are your dreams? What are you thinking? What, what is God able to do in this community? What is God able to do in this part of the world? What are you thinking? How far were you allow your brain to go? How far will you allow yourself to dream? Maybe some of you have had dreams and maybe you've allowed them to die. Maybe they've been squashed. Maybe you've given them up. Maybe someone's poured water on your flame. 
But I'm telling you right now that Paul wants you and me to know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. So let's start asking for some big things and let's start dreaming and thinking about some big possibilities. Because we're wired, unfortunately, to think small and I don't think God wants us thinking small. Here's the thing. Right now, some of us might be sitting here going, wow, God's done exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think. Why? Because we're sitting here, we're not yelling at each other, nobody's fighting at the moment. We've got an air conditioner, people go, wow, that's above and beyond what I could think. We've got an air con, that's awesome. You know what? God wants to do so much more. We're called to a position of leadership in our community. I'm not saying us arise only, I'm saying the church in general. And if we continue to sit quietly in a corner and stop dreaming and stop envisioning and allow everybody else to do all the great works out there, guess what? We will one day wake up and we'll go, who are we? And the church will go, exactly right, who are you? We don't need you. We don't need you. I don't think that's right. Once upon a time, there was a group of people running around the world and they went into a particular town and the Bible says that they dare not go near them because they feared them and they respected them so much. You read in the book of Acts. They actually had respect for the church. They didn't understand everything about them. They didn't believe everything, but they knew there's something about that mob. They get things done. Miracles happen. God moves. Lives are transformed. Lives are changed. When these guys get involved, stuff shifts. We're not just a little group of people meeting in a building sitting down. I want us to dream. To get through the next four years. Here's, here's, I'm saying all that to say this. To get through the next four years, it's going to take faith. And faith is going to evidence itself in our faith community, in our church, through the minutes, the muscle, and the money. The three practical things that are within reach of every single person in this building. Every single person that's sitting here right now. If you're a, a visitor here today, thank you so much for putting up with this. I've gone way over the time I normally go. We never normally go this long. We finish smack on 12. And normally when we're going to do something like this, I'll announce to everybody, you know, so that maybe they might say to you, come the next week so you're not bored to death by this guy rambling up the front. But um, you didn't get a chance to do that. So anyway, thank you so much for coming along today and joining us. Uh, hang around for our sausages and stuff. But for those of you that call this place family, I want to in- exhort you, I want to encourage you, start dreaming. Come on, start dreaming with us. Start dreaming with us, all right? Next week, I want to talk a little bit more about vision, a little bit more about how I believe the vision of our church is forming. Um, But between now and then, I want you to start dreaming. Start asking God, God, am I thinking big enough? Am I asking big enough? And if you're not, step outside your comfort zone. Start dreaming. Hey, guess what? If what I just said never happens, what's the harm? But if it does happen, wow, wow. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, God, and thank you for this uh, great group of people that are here. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us, God. And I I believe that's your word to us this year, is opportunity. You're going to give us opportunity, Lord. Whether we take those invitations and opportunities, well, that comes back to us. But you're going to give them to, to us this year, Father. So we thank you for that, Lord. And God, I want to thank you again before we walk out of here for the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that moment that changed everything. And God, in the next seven days, I pray for every person in this building, in the next seven days, give each of us a chance to tell someone about the goodness of God, someone that doesn't yet understand that or know it, Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 God bless. Uh, Good. So we're going to grab, uh, Bevan's out there now making sausages, so we'll get some salads up on the table. Uh, feel free to hang around. Please don't run off. Have a chat to somebody, get to know somebody. Let's have some lunch together like friends and family do, eh? Bless you.